Spectrum Health and Human Services is located throughout Western New York. For an appointment, call 716-539-5500. If you are in a crisis, you can call 716-710-5172. Their website is www.shswny.org. going on people this is once again a spectrum health and human services episode in this episode i sit down with their senior communications and project manager bonnie gordon and bonnie is the one that i communicate with mainly at spectrum as far as lining up podcasts to do for them and now soon to start video projects to do for them and i've always tried to get her to come on and her big story is her daughter has struggled, who is only 13, by the way. Her daughter has struggled with anxiety and just a lot of different things. And I finally got her to sit down with me and talk. And I am very, very happy I did because this is probably right up there with, hands down, one of my favorite Spectrum episodes thus far. She has so much to say, even though she thinks she doesn't. She has so much to say. She's an incredible mother. She has two daughters, and her one daughter has struggled with anxiety, and it's just amazing how she shares story, how they've learned to deal with it, and how she's just learned to you know, cope with the struggles of having such a young child that's struggling with anxiety. And I think it's just an amazing episode. So if you are a parent, this is a must listen, hands down. Just so many things you can take away from what Bonnie has to say in her story. So I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it flow. That was a rhyme. <laughs> I'll try not to ever do that again. But great episode. If you can, hop on over to room9podcast.com. If you are willing, we have a support page where you can help Room 9. All that money goes to just pushing the message out there, trying to reach people doing stuff for a cheaper price, whatever it is, everything helps. So go ahead and do that if you have it. If not, even just sharing and promoting Room 9 is such a great help. It reaches so many people, whether it's people who are struggling with mental health, people who are struggling with addiction, people who are struggling with just feeling stuck and wanting to grow and move forward. So please do that. That would be awesome. Also fill out a contact form. Stay in touch. I'm terrible. One thing I got to get so much better at is like newsletters and blogs. I don't know why I struggle with that so much to consistently produce a newsletter and stuff like that, but I'm working on it. A huge list of things I'm working on, and I just am so grateful for everybody who hangs out and enjoys us. So, that being said, here's an episode with Bonnie Gordon. Also, hit up YouTube. Vlogs are coming out as I get more of a routine and a system down. They're going to be... My goal is the next six months to have a weekly vlog. So, there it is. Anyway, enjoy this episode. This is episode eight of Spectrum Health and Human Services with Bonnie Gordon. All right, peace. Yeah, I will not be participating in that. <laughs> That's even worse. Although I did just do that for the commercial, which, um, yeah, it was it was creepy. Oh, yeah, what'd you have to do for them? Um, just share a little? No, just look blankly into a camera and then smile. <laughs> it was even worse. Yeah. Yeah, that... Just stared mm. at it, huh? I'm really hoping they use Cindy and not me, because we did a bunch of different people. We'll oh, see. that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be a lot more cameras all around 
pretty soon. Yay. Which I'm very excited about. It'll be awesome. To continue our relationship. So mm-hmm, I'm looking definitely. forward to that. It's been fun. Because I always tell people, I think you guys are really here at Spectrum, the first company to really give me a shot and a chance. And that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. It's really since the beginning um, I've been with you guys. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Very cool. Collaborating. and I love listening to the podcasts. It's good. It's a lot of fun. I know. I get so frustrated some even with these brand new mics now they have such a low noise floor i need to buy a preamp for them because i'm like the sound still isn't where it could be with these microphones so i have to get something out it's just and it doesn't help that i move around perfection i had like uh yeah if i had like a perfect (laughs) studio and people would come which one day i will but not right now yeah but that'll happen i will have have a studio it's hard when you're a perfectionist too yes it's also it's also good when you're perfect as long as you don't let it I used to let it deter me from doing any work Mm. and same thing with like when you'd watch people who are better than you at stuff and that's what I tell people is the biggest difference in me is I would be like oh I'm never be that good I'm not gonna even bother now I'm like oh I'm gonna get better than this dude and it motivates me so that's like one of the biggest differences in myself I've seen yeah my daughter is an aspiring actress she loves doing this stuff at school and she got a solo in the one part of her acapella chorus and so I videotaped it and she watched it and she hated it. And she's like, Mom, that was terrible. Oh my gosh, I was so bad and blah, blah, blah. I've never recorded a performance of hers since. Because really? she's so because she's so good. She's really she's talented. And she just got into all county chorus. She's got a lead in the school play. And it just I don't ever want her to see that again and think that I'm <laughs> not good like, enough. Really? Well, I mean, it, that's kind yeah. of like your story, though, is with your daughter, correct? Yes. All right. Well, first, obviously, Bonnie Gordon, we are here. You are, what is your position at Spectrum? I am the Senior Communications and Project Manager. Okay, perfect. Now we have that on recording. <laughs> but yeah, so I know you've always been, you're the one I coordinate with that we, you tell me, we talk and we get the podcast set up and we go and I go and do them. And you told me the one time you shared at, was at a parents group? It was a church. A church. And mm-hmm. you shared with your your daughter who is how old? Uh, Grace is now 13. 13. So, yes. oh, the same age as my son. Yeah. And struggling with uh, mental health and your experience with that. So that's why we are sitting down today because I believe there are a ton of parents out there who have children right around that age, early teens, later teens that are struggling. I feel like it's a pretty common thing. Absolutely. Nowadays with yeah. kids with just depression and anxiety and... Mm-hmm. which is it's crazy to think about because I don't ever remember like being at least until I was 15 my brother and sister died but before that I don't ever remember like struggling with any of that or seeing too many people who struggle with it I think a lot of kids struggle with it just silently mm-hmm. like looking back at my life I I mean my daughter gets it from me I, I can totally really? totally yeah. see she always jokes that she gets all her bad traits from her mother <laughs> uh, she she has bad knees those are mine you know she has straight hair that comes from me um and the you know the anxiety um comes from me as well and and it's funny because looking back over my life I could be like oh yeah that's totally my upbringing um but really? I think yeah I think when we were kids, it was more of a, you know, suck it up and deal kind of thing versus a let's get you some help. Yep. I think a lot of it, though, is is I don't think my parents back then had the education that I have about these issues. The awareness is so much more present now and the stigma is going away and it's still huge, but people are talking about it more. 
Yep, and I think that's the key to ending stigma is we just had a conversation about that the more people come out and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Absolutely. It becomes less of a you know, stigmatized um, subject and topic. And the one thing we just kind of discussed in our meeting with Sydney was how showing people and getting video out and getting audio out of people who are just saying the more and more people say I'm struggling with this the less and less it it is stigmatized absolutely and especially with the kids they have no issues at least Grace she has no issues talking about it which is awesome all her friends know that she goes to see a counselor that she takes medication and it it's part of her everyday life like she thinks nothing of you know I shouldn't talk about this and people shouldn't know about this like she has no reason to feel that way. And I think it's great because the kids don't and mm-hmm. they're very open about it. And a couple of her friends are in counseling and it helps them to know that, you know, they're not the only ones out there that are going through this and they can talk about things. And for Grace, she's a smart, smart kid. And so a lot of the counseling has been easy for her to pick up on things and to learn coping skills. And it's funny because she'll tell you she can never have enough coping skills. Like she just wants to learn really? more. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, she has a box, um, a, a coping box at home that she had made at a workshop. She's actually a client at Spectrum. And so she had gone through a workshop and they they made a box of different things that you could put in it to calm yourself, to relax yourself. You know, she has a list of her 10 favorite things to do, you know, and she goes back to that list every now and then when she needs to think about, you know, all the good things in her life and all the happy things. And she's got, you know, silly putty and uh, stress ball and and just different things (laughs) like that just to help her. And she has the ability to recognize when things are getting stressful, when things aren't going the way she wants them to go and to stop and think about what she's doing and what she needs to do. And it's amazing to watch the growth. Everything started with her. We knew that the transition from elementary school to middle school was going to be really tough for her. That's when it kind of all started. Yeah, we recognized early on that she had a lot of anxiety and that it was always the unknown. Something she Mm -hmm. wasn't familiar with would really set her off. The one day folks next door asked her to go to the circus and she really wanted to go. But she's like, Mom, I think Leanne is going. And if Leanne goes and I have to sit next to her, that could be a problem because I don't think Leanne likes me. And what if I want popcorn and none of the other kids want it? And so Miss Carla doesn't want to stand in line for the popcorn just for me. Oh, my goodness. And how old was she? She was nine. That's crazy. And so it was things like that. And, it, you know, it was always a snowball and and you would try to calm her down. And so she's like, you know what? I don't know if I want to go. And so being a parent, it's so hard because you you don't want your child to miss out on things that you know they're going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But the anxiety that it provokes in her was just it was so hard to watch. The next morning, I literally woke her up five minutes before they were leaving and threw some clothes on her and shoved her out the door (laughs) (laughs) because I knew once she was there, she would enjoy herself Mm -hmm. and her sister was going. So there, you know, there's always a comfort factor. That's good. Yeah, She has a sister who's just just a little more than a year older than her. So it's really helpful in those types of situations. And she came home and she had a great time. Like she had an absolute blast. She sat with Leanne. So she was happy as could be. You know, it just it was just always a struggle. And she worries about things that she does not need to worry about. You know, financial worries of her parents. Like, well, do we have enough money to go for ice cream? Like what child worries about that? crazy. (laughs) Right. I wish my kids would listen to this and start worrying a little more about that. Right. And, And, you know, just things that you wouldn't think that a child would worry about are the kinds of things that she worries about. And so, like I said, we knew the transition to middle school was going to be rough. So we 
actually started her in counseling uh, the before? summer the summer before. Okay. So we started about May or June, you know, the year before sixth grade, just knowing that it was going to be rough. And it was. It was a lot tougher than I had ever anticipated. Really? She's like I said, she was a very smart girl, always loved school. Um, she really liked elementary school and going to middle school. She was just so overwhelmed. I mean, they're you know, it's a huge school. They were they're in the Frontier District, which is a great school. But I think there were twelve hundred kids in the middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's four elementary schools all dumping yeah, into one middle school. So it's a lot of kids she doesn't know a lot of unfamiliar things. And so that really rattled her and, you know, changing classes and just all all the new stuff that comes along with middle school. She had gone from missing, I think, two or three days in all of elementary school to probably missing 12 days of the first semester in middle school. Really? Because she was making herself physically sick. From just the anxiety, just which from, is crazy to think anxiety. about in general, how our, our mind and body are so connected like that. Right, right. To where you can be sick. What kind of were the signs that you saw, like even in the beginning, that made you think she was had struggled with anxiety and stuff like that because she was nine when you first started kind of seeing the things Mm -hmm. was there anything like prior to that that you that other parents you think should maybe look for it's funny because looking back she was very she's a very literal child like Mm -hmm. everything with her is black and white there's there's not a lot of gray in her world um so everything was right and wrong you couldn't really joke with her like when she was younger she really didn't didn't understand a a lot of you know sarcasm yes yes and unfortunately she's growing up in a very sarcastic household (laughs) (laughs) so that was a little tough um you know to to learn how to talk to her um in ways that made more sense for her and she also she would almost give herself timeouts like if we had a family party or something you would find her on the stairs just kind of taking those quiet breaks for herself mm-hmm. so like th- she was getting like overwhelmed sensory over sensory overload and yes yes and she just you know needed that little time to chill she's always been very vocal about what she needs mm-hmm. which was super helpful that is very helpful. Yeah. Because it, with any human being. <laughs> right. But trying to make her understand like your stomach hurts because you're upset or your stomach hurts because you're anxious. Like she couldn't see the physical tie in to her emotional issues. And with her mind and right. body. Okay. So that was that was a lot of the struggle, you know, when she would be missing school. She'd be like, I really don't feel good. And I'd be like, Okay, what's going on at school? Well, what do you mean, mom? Well, obviously, you're upset over something. Well, how do you know I'm upset? Because you're complaining your stomach hurts and you don't want to go to school. <laughs> She's like, well, my stomach just hurts. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so what's really going on? Oh, <laughs> and, my goodness. And it, it was for her, it was a definite telltale sign that it was the stomach aches that really were a big tip off to us that something something wasn't quite right. That's so nuts to be that age and st- like struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. And, and it was very difficult for her to make friends. Because she was so literal, because um, she had a very strong sense of everything had to be by the book, mm-hmm. had to follow all the rules. Like there, there's <laughs> no bending of rules in her world, you know, and, and that's that's not typical of most kids. You know, no, most that's kids crazy, are, yeah. they're testing boundaries and trying to see what they can get away with. How and, far they can push it. And she's saying, really no, you can't do that. <laughs> and so so that was tough for her. And uh, what I, I say really saved her was was her love of music and drama. Um, yeah, which is crazy to me that she loves to get up and sing in front of people and right? act in front of people. 
And I, it, it, to me, it was mind blowing because, you know, she, she has this anxiety. Her social anxiety isn't so bad. Like you, you can put her into social settings and stuff and she's, she's pretty okay. She can hold her own most of the time, but the, the acting and the singing and stuff just blew me away, but it's her absolute favorite thing to do. And I think it's because she gets to pretend to be somebody else. Mm. And I really think that's, it's kind of her escape. Like I can do this, Mm -hmm. but I'm not being me. I'm being someone else. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And I think that helps her a lot. And it's something she's very passionate about. It's something she's getting very good at, which is fun to watch. Um, she was had her first, uh, she had a supporting lead in the school musical in the fall. And I feel like a terrible parent, but I had no idea my child could sing until I went really? to this Until musical. She doesn't sing around the house or nothing? She sings around the house, but kind it's so funny because so even, even her sister was like, from her singing around the house, did you ever expect that from her? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> and her sister can also sing very well, but we're used to it with her. She, you know, she walks around the house singing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so she, I was in tears when she started singing on stage. Oh, that's awesome. It, it Would was, she have a solo or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it was just amazing to watch her. And that's, I think from a mom perspective, that's been the most amazing thing is to watch the transformation from sixth grade until now where she's in eighth grade and she's got her life together and she's doing things that make her happy. And she's got a group of friends that are amazing and super supportive because it's been a struggle. It's been a, a very, very long hard struggle to get there. You I know, imagine we, so. We went from those those days of sixth grade where I'm like, I don't know that we're going to get through this. And it's gotten easier. It's gotten easier and better every year. It's a household topic. It's an everyday topic for us, mental health and anxiety and depression. And it's something we talk about all the time. If I had a magic wand that I could wave, I would, you know, wave that magic wand over the world and have everybody talking about it all day, every day. Talk about depression, talk about anxiety, talk about addiction. These are things that need to be household topics. You know, talk about them like you talk about exercise and nutrition. You know, it's just one of those things that it's so important. And I think for me, where I realized how important it was, was the day she came to me and she said, mom, I'm thinking of hurting myself. Really? And that was probably the worst moment of my life. Um, But the fact that she was comfortable coming to me and saying that to me was huge, Mm. was huge because I can't even, I can't even think of the alternative. Like what if she didn't feel comfortable talking to me about it? And she hit it and stuff. What might've happened, you know, and as terrifying and awful as it was, we're like, okay, we're going to get through this. I mean, obviously I I immediately burst into tears because no parent wants to hear that, but I think Part of it was also a huge relief to me because she came to me and she felt comfortable talking about it. And, um, you know, I share stories with my kids all the time of people we know that things happen to. I have a friend who, unfortunately, her cousin's son committed suicide. He was 12 years old. That's crazy. No prior signs. No nothing. He got in trouble. Mom sent him to his room. Dad went to check on him an hour later and he was hanging from his bunk bed. And my girls are like, why are you telling us this? And I'm like, because you need to hear these things because I don't want you to ever do something like that or feel like you have to or feel like there's no alternative. You know, awareness is huge. When people talk about these kinds of things, 
they prevent these things from happening. And it's it's just so important for it to be a topic of conversation that parents have with their kids. I don't think I could say it any better than myself because I think that's it exactly is we don't talk about anything. We don't in this culture, this society, anything negative or that perceives to be negative is never talked about. And, right. Yeah. And you see, I mean, at least other cultures that I've read, even like death, we don't ever talk about dying. We don't ever talk about anything negative or dark. And therefore, if one of your children are feeling something negative or dark, they don't want to speak about it because it's never spoken about. And that's I mean, I think that's the number one thing you can if you can tell anybody talk about this stuff. Absolutely. with your kids because you never know when yeah if you think about it i mean you go to mandatory drug and alcohol forums at school like we have to as parents we have to go to one in middle school and we have to go to one again in high school in mm-hmm. order for our kids to be able to participate in any extracurricular activities they can't go to dances prom anything like that until the parents go through this drug and alcohol forum why is it only drug and alcohol like I, you know i understand it's a huge epidemic and something mm-hmm. that needs to be talked about but why is mental health not part of that part of that i really wish the schools would be like okay here's the signs to look for if your children are doing drugs here's the signs to look for if your children are depressed here's what to look for if the children are anxious i mean i know you know myself personally you go through situations where your anxiety is so high sometimes it affects everybody around you Mm mm-hmm it happens with the kids too, especially they get into high school, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. They're looking at colleges. They're looking at jobs. They're looking at relationships. There's so much pressure on them. Let's give parents the tools to say, hey, you know, okay, I don't see any signs of, of them using drugs or alcohol, but there might be some depression going on there and, and maybe I need to get them some help. Or, you know, their anxiety is really, really high. What are 10 things we can do at home to help reduce that? I find the more I educate myself, the easier it is to help my daughter. And I think that's what's kind of going to be my next question for you, Bonnie, is what are some of the things that you've done to educate yourself and become more aware? Because obviously talking about it, that's number one, I think. Like just bring it up, let your kids know they can always come and talk no matter what they're feeling, what they're going through. But what are some like other like proactive things you've done to educate yourself and become more aware of the things? So some of the things I've done, obviously, I'm, I'm very involved in her counseling, um, you know, and I keep on top of that and I meet with her counselor on a regular basis with her. Mm-hmm. And then I'm fortunate enough to be in the field that I'm in. I have a lot of resources right at my <laughs> fingertips, but I do have a friend who is also a counselor and it's been really helpful for Grace to be able to talk to her. I think connecting her with other adults is huge. You know, teenage kids don't always want to come to their parents for things. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they have, you know, my sister-in-law is an excellent role model for her. And she is somebody who she confides in all the time. And I always tell my sister-in-law, I don't want to know anything unless it's harmful to her. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the only time I ever want to know anything she says to you is if you think there's going to be any harm. Because kids need that safe person to talk to. Yep. yep. They need somebody outside of their parents where they can tell everything without having to worry that everything they say is going to get back to their parent. And I think that's a huge point of counseling because, you know, you have the counselors to do that in a professional setting that they can then give you tips on how to do this. But I think it's also really important on a personal level because they're not going to tell their counselor everything. You would like to think that they are, but, you know, there are some things that are kind of like, eh. Yeah, maybe I won't say this. Right. Yeah. And then just... I've always 
one of the things that I, I read years and years ago is to always listen to everything your child says as if it's the biggest, most important thing in their life. You know, when they're three and their favorite color is red and they want to eat every red food and tell you about <laughs> every red thing that they've seen, listen to them. Because as they get older and those problems become more prevalent or important things to them become more important, they're used to you listening. Yep. And they know that you're going to listen to what they have to say and really listen. One of my favorite times, I complain all the time about, you know, having to drive them to all their activities. My kids are very active. Um, you know, Grace dances and then she's got the, you know, musical practices and she's in Girl Scouts and involved in volunteering at church. And she really does a lot of great things. And I'm mom taxi, you know, seven days a week. But that's one of the greatest times to talk to your kids. In the because car. they're stuck in the car with you. Yep. They're not going anywhere. A lot of times we're carpooling, so their other friends are in the car. So you get to hear everything. You get to hear all the gossip, all the <laughs> latest and greatest. You know, so as much as I complain about that, I also cherish those times because sometimes it's the only time I see her. <laughs> when they get so busy, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, she comes out of practice and she's all excited to tell me about everything going on. And it's just a, a great communication. <laughs> it's one of my favorite times. Yeah, I think that's super important. I remember even with my... My kids, well, they're 13 and eight, but even even now, still, when they're around and I'm into something and and I catch myself a lot doing it, but where I'm just like, yeah, 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 okay. Instead, you know, I really have to be aware and it takes work and okay, what you're doing, even if it's something important, can wait 10 seconds while they tell you about their favorite YouTuber for a minute. Right. And I think that's awesome advice to give to people because if your kids are used to you listening, they're going to come to you. Sure. And they're going to trust you. And I think talking about things that you don't normally talk about and then making sure you're there to listen. Right. And just researching simple things online. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, you can't believe everything you read on the Internet, but you can believe a lot of things you read on the Internet when they come from credible sources. You know, you look at some of the, the national publications for mental health and, you know, you go on and you peruse their websites and they're filled with awesome resources. There's blogs and there's, you know, lists of 10 things you can do to calm yourself in 60 seconds or less. And just I find myself learning those kinds of things. I can then transfer them to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And you'd be amazed how much you help yourself in the process too. <laughs> um, li living with a child with anxiety has definitely opened my eyes to how much anxiety I actually have. You know, I always kind of knew I'm, I'm a kind of anxious person at times, but I'll never forget the day we were talking with her counselor. My husband and I had gone in, you know, the counselor was concerned and wanted to talk to us. And she said something to my husband and she's like, well, she's like dealing with your child's anxiety when, when she cries and she gets upset, it's the same as dealing with your wife's anxiety where she yells and gets mad <laughs> and I was like she she just called me out for having anxiety <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like huh I said so it's apparent to other people huh <laughs> and, and, you know it was one of those that I had never I had never really you know labeled myself or never really fully dealt with it. You know, I had gone to counseling before for for various reasons. I'm a huge advocate. I think everybody needs somebody to talk to. Yep. You know, you have your friends, you have your family, but you know exactly who to call when you need somebody to empathize with you. You know exactly who to yep. call when you are annoyed with your husband and that friend is going to be like, yeah, he's such a jerk. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you know who those people are in your life and you need that objective person who's going to be like, you know what? But it's you. <laughs> yep. Stop blaming others and look at yourself. So 
I think counseling is important for everybody at some point in time. You know, we all struggle and we all all need those people to talk to. And why would you not give that opportunity to your child? You know, every parent yeah. wants to do what's best for their child. And sometimes it's hard. Like, it's hard to, to come to that. But I know with Grace, I struggled with medication. I was not an advocate of medication. I'm like, you know, she's 12. She's hormonal. You know, she's going to be going through puberty. Is this really the time? And, you know, her counselor at the time was kind of like, okay, you know, we can we can try it your way. <laughs> she was very, very supportive of us, us as parents and our choices. And Is then she I, the one who initiated maybe for medication? Yes. Okay. So, so she, Grace woke up on a Sunday and she was not in the best of moods and she was very weepy and tearful throughout the day and stuff and just having a really rough day like she was she was over anxious she's gone through small bouts of depression to Mm -hmm. go it's mostly the anxiety that we we deal with but she's had some depressive episodes too and she was just in a funk and normally it would last a day or two but this was there was something just not right and like I said I remember it being a Sunday And then I remember by Thursday, she was still crying. Really? And I said, you know what? Something's got to change. Something's got to change. And that's when we went back to the counselor and I said, hey, I said, I think it might be time for for some meds. And they put her on a low dose of Prozac and within two weeks, complete 180. And I felt like I had my child back. I felt like I hadn't seen her laugh or smile in months Um, And you don't realize it like it's one of the you know, when you see somebody every day, you don't always see the little changes in them, good or bad. And I clearly had not seen the downward slope until this episode. And it was really eye opening. And I was really, really glad that I was able to get her the help to literally be life changing. I mean, who would have thought something so simple couldn't change and make that big of a difference? Yeah. Which is crazy because even as I hear you say, because I'm like that too, and it just goes back to stigma. Even as I hear you say low dose of Prozac, I'm like, oh, why would you, you know? And it's so crazy how that is out there. And I don't know if it's from like parents out there who will use that as a way to not work with their child and not get better and not educate themselves i'm just gonna medicate them and hopefully that'll do it right and then there's you know there's the ways to go about it i think approaching it cautiously there's just sometimes it needs to be done and it could make the world a difference and the way you approach it but there is that stigma still and as you even said that i could just feel that stigma come in like my gut like oh no Right. And, and now every place you go, you know, every medical application, every time you go to the doctor, she on any medications, she's on Prozac. And sometimes you just kind of get that look from a nurse like, oh, like, mm-hmm. and it's to me, if my child was diabetic, I wouldn't think twice of giving her insulin. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the difference? You know, what's it's it's a disease. It's an illness. It's something that can be helped with medication. Why not give her all the help that I possibly can? Yep. And it goes back once again to we physiological reasons. We don't care. You go see a doctor. You should see a doctor. Right. You didn't see a doctor. What's wrong with you? But mental health, when it comes to that, it's always you're weak. Why can't you tough it out? Why aren't you strong enough? What's wrong with you? Absolutely. And I think even some of my own family members were like, does she really need that? You know, don't you think she's just going to outgrow this? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah. This is what's going on in her life now, and this is what we need to deal with in the moment, and this is the best course of action, and this is how we treat it, and this is my child, 
And I think sometimes it's hard not to be influenced by other people, Mm -hmm. by other parents, by your own parents and your siblings. And, you know, everybody around you wants to tell you what's best for your kid. I mean, that's every aspect of parenting. (laughs) You know, everybody (laughs) wants to tell you what's best, but you just have to ignore all of that and figure out the best course of action for you and your child and your family. And Getting the whole family involved is important, too. You know, this doesn't just affect Grace. It, it affects me. It affects my husband. It affects her sister. You know, it's the whole family mm-hmm. that is dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's important to talk about it as a family. I think you really hit that on the head. Absolutely. And, you know, it was tough for her sister for a while. You know, there's there's only 16 months difference between the kids. So, her, yeah. you know, her sister's not that much older than her. And a lot of times... You know, for her, it was like, why is Grace being like that? Like, what's her problem? Why can't she just, you know, do what she's supposed to do? And she didn't understand it. You know, it's she didn't understand that it wasn't in Grace's control. She couldn't just wake up and be happy and go with the flow. It's not how she's wired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I always say it's not how her brain works. Yeah. How did that how did that kind of go with your eldest daughter? Was it even like the attention that you had to put on Grace? Did that become an issue? Was it something you had to constantly talk with her about? It was something we had to consciously make sure we weren't always favoring Grace and weren't always mm-hmm. giving in to her, making sure she wasn't always directing how things went. You know, my my husband was very apt to be like, well, let's just do this because it's easier on Grace. No, no, that's not how we need to always function. Sometimes mm-hmm. Grace is going to be uncomfortable doing something, but we're there to support her and she'll get through it. And for Emma, it was just she's a very logical child. So it was it was pretty easy to explain to her, you know, this is what your sister's going through. This is why things are happening. This is how she's feeling. And Emma is a very empathetic child. And so it was pretty easy for her to, you know, understand some of Grace's issues and limitations and stuff and and kind of help us to to work around them and help mm-hmm. her. You know, being a year ahead of her in school and stuff, it was really nice to have that resource to help her. This is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to be. And one of the biggest benefits was the team of teachers that Emma had in seventh grade was the team of teachers that Grace was getting for seventh grade. Okay. So that transition from sixth to seventh grade was fantastic because, <laughs> you know, Emma could give her the lowdown on... You know, on each teacher, each yeah. teacher and all the personalities. And but then it's funny because the teachers were like their sisters <laughs> because they're so vastly so different. different. <laughs> you know, you put into the mix that I have a, a nephew who's adopted and Korean and ADHD. And then they're like, wait, he's one of you, too. <laughs> and, and so it's it's kind of funny how, how they all, you know, fit into the mix. <laughs> and, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So it's it's helpful at times. And, you know, Grace was always hesitant to do things, um, you know, those those new things, those fear of the unknown kind of things. And her sister is very adventurous. You know, she goes and does and whatever, you know, wherever the wind takes her, she'll go. Mm-hmm. And so the kids are both very involved in church. And one of Emma's favorite things is they do a fall retreat every year. And so Grace just had no interest, no interest in being away from home, no interest in, in going anywhere without us. And Emma talked up this fall retreat and how much she loved it for years. And Grace finally decided she was going to try it. 
And so, you know, the girls being a, a year apart and being teenagers don't see eye to eye on much <laughs> and um, aren't, <laughs> really, imagine. aren't really the best of friends. But, you know, I remember walking past their bedroom and I'm just sitting on the bed and Emma telling Grace all about fall retreat and all about, you know, what to expect and how awesome it was and just giving her a sense of security and making her feel so much better about it. And I remember Grace coming to me after and being like, Mom, Emma was wonderful. She was so helpful to me. And I really feel like now I can go. (laughs) That's awesome. And so, yeah. So there's definitely those moments where she helps her. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see. Yeah. So what is, if you could kind of to wrap it up, what would you tell parents who are kind of in that struggle, their kids struggling with mental health and they're just feeling hopeless and helpless and they don't know what to do and they're lost. What would be your, um, no pressure. What would be your kind of your advice for the for those parents well aside from call spectrum (laughs) because because I have to put that little plug in there no really listen to your child and try to understand from their perspective what's really going on Mm -hmm. you you really need to assess is this something that's just you know they're kind of in a funk they're in those teenage years they'll have those little bumps in the road or is this something that is ongoing and persistent and something that they might need a little bit more help with and if it's anything that you don't know the answers to and you're uncomfortable with then reach out and get help and there are so many resources out there you know you can call I joke but I mean you could call Spectrum and Mm -hmm. you know we're happy to assist you you know kids will go for an evaluation and and they'll they call it an initial assessment. They'll get their initial assessment and they'll be able to tell you, you know, your child may benefit from this or may benefit from that. They have groups for kids now, which is awesome. That was one of the things that helped Grace the most is just going and they would do crafts and make little recipes and stuff. And she wouldn't even realize everything she was learning was by helping. by being part of that group mm-hmm. and how much it was really helping. But you definitely need to do everything you can to help your child. You know, you have to get over any stigma, any uh, mm-hmm. barrier that may be preventing you from getting your child the help that they need. And I think that's one of the toughest things for parents is their own struggle with how is this going to reflect on my child? How is this going to reflect on me? I think that's the, the one of the biggest things we do as parents. How is this going to reflect on me? And if they're seen as weak, does that make me seem weak? And right. I think that's, yeah, that's awesome advice. I and think we need to get over it. It's never your fault. You know, I mean, kids put that on themselves. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, what did I do? Why, why, why me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what did I do to deserve this? As a parent, you can't do that to yourself. I mean, I could sit there a million times and be like, oh my gosh, if I would have done this, would it have turned out different? If I would have done that, would she be this? Yes. Yes, she would. You know, I, I truly believe that. I always say it's the way she's wired. You know, mm-hmm. she came Literally. that way. Yeah. <laughs> she came that way. She was born that way. It's You're not going to change. You know, it's it's not like I could have wished away her anxiety or, you know, if I would have spent five more minutes with her every day when she was three, it would have turned out different. It wouldn't. You know, it's you're not changing a mental health issue just like you can't change a physical health issue. You know, if your child is destined to have diabetes or your child God forbid, is destined to have cancer. Like there's nothing you can do as a parent to change that. And it's the same way with mental health issues. There's nothing you can do to change it. You need to do your best to help your child 
live through it. And it may be a lifelong struggle. And if you give your child the coping skills and the resources at a young age, this is something that's going to propel them through the rest of their life. You know, adults struggle so much. I look at myself and I think, oh my gosh, if I knew back then what I knew now, mm-hmm. <laughs> my 20s and 30s may have been a whole different ballgame. <laughs> so yeah, so it's really just educating yourself, educating your child, not putting that stigma on yourself or on them and just doing the best you can to help them. That's awesome. Well, you are an awesome mama. Thank you. And I'm so grateful you sat down here and shared your story. And you did great at it. You were worried about it. I've been trying to get you to do this for a long time. I I know. This was the easiest (laughs) podcast I've ever hosted. Sometimes I feel like I don't have anything relevant to say, but I guess, you know. You have nothing but relevant things to say. Even though I'm not, you know, I'm not a counselor. I'm, you know, this is, this is not my forte. I think as a parent, you know, it's always nice to hear from other parents. That's one of the other things. Yeah. um, that I didn't mention is, you know, finding other parents who are in the same situation. Support groups. Support groups. You know, I'm not a, a big like, let's go sit in around a circle and, and share my feelings <laughs> and stuff. But you know what? Uh, Facebook. The, they have those the groups. Internet, yeah. They have those kinds of groups. And, you know, you have to judge you know, what you're going to listen to and and what you're going to take away from them. But there's some really, really great supportive groups out there that can can help each other. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. This was awesome. All right. I'm glad we did it. All right. Bye. Bye. that is it as i said in the beginning what an incredible episode this was bonnie is an incredible mother an incredible person and her kids are very lucky to have her so i hope you enjoyed it get on over to spectrum's website get on over to room nine's website show the love spread the love be the love peace